0: check out the show notes to sign up for an interview. Mallory Dunn is a fashion designer and small business owner. On April 3rd, 2020, she posted to her social media that she was going to start making masks, masks that were made out of materials that would truly protect the wearer and the people around them. She asked if this was something that people would want and the response was enormous. I don't
1: remember the exact like first time um i'm sure it was from the news we watch a lot of news in our house so i'm assuming that was probably that um and i do what i do remember is that for the first you know little bit like maybe you know end of february beginning of march i really didn't think it was a big thing or a big deal um and I think that's a lot in part to how it was being talked about and being described specifically on the behalf of the uh, behalf of the government um and to the fact that like I feel like I'm a pretty um well-informed person but I didn't even realize that the disease had anything to do with respiratory illness and I was like telling other people like oh no that's not what it is <laughs> like I just like totally didn't understand what was happening. Oh, com- I mean completely um, in every way. Um, I would say that my husband and I probably take it more seriously than the majority of our friends and family. Some of them I mean we're, we don't have any friends and family who like don't think it exists at all which is so bananas that that's the case um, that people think this disease doesn't exist but you know, I uh, when when New York City kind of started shutting down in the middle of March, I was still. I'm also a part time professor, and I was still teaching at the New School, and I had a class that was still going. So like that Thursday of March, I had my last in person class, and we weren't doing anything out of the out of the ordinary. You know, there was no social distancing, there was no masks. It was just like, well, I guess we're not gonna be here next week but let's all act normal now um (laughs) and then like within like that that next week is when we were like wow this is actually a huge deal and um as i am a fashion designer i remember like planning my last big trip into the city to grab as much fabric as i could for like upcoming um orders for my company and that was on march 20th and then I didn't take the subway again for months and months and months. <laughs> Just completely changed the way that we lived. As far as I can remember, it never totally halted. I don't think, like, like New York City hardly ever completely shuts down the subway. I remember there was a snowstorm a few years ago where they, like, tur- like were like, no more public transportation after this time, but then by the next day it was back. So I don't think it ever stopped, but I, they definitely like greatly reduced service and then they stopped it overnight because every night they were cleaning it. Yeah, it is a big deal. I mean, I would say that I, I, cause then, you know, over time, cause then, then fabric stores closed cause they were non-essential business, but then once they reopened again and then I needed to go to them again, I started going to them, but I would like stagger my trips uh, so that I wasn't going out as often. Um, And when I did take the subway again for the first time, I was impressed. I was like, this does seem like it has been freshly cleaned, which is definitely not a New York City subway uh, usual standard. (laughs) Um, And I also read this really cool interactive New York Times article about the air circulation in the subway that actually because of the way the subway is built and because of where the windows are up high and the ventilation system, it's actually a pretty okay place to be as long as it's not packed with people. So that made me feel a little bit better. (laughs) I haven't looked at the percentage rate in the past little bit, but last time I saw it, I believe it was around 7% positivity rate. It's very weird because You know, I think back to like when things totally closed and then also even when things finally reopened and I feel like the rates and the status of it were so different from what it is now. Whereas like if what it is now was happening, then we would still be closed, but (laughs) but people seem to be moving those goalposts around so that certain businesses can open and not have to supposedly rely on the government for assistance. I will say that, like, being in in New York City, I would say maybe, like, 90% of people are still all wearing their masks, specifically on the subway, which, like, you're required to on the subway. And anytime I go out, I really only see, like, maybe less, less than five people who are, like, not following the rules. So... In that case, it does feel like a somewhat safer place to be because even though there's more people and whatnot, at least the the people that are here seem to remember all of the ambulances, you know, um, and are trying to keep from getting back there. You know, back in April, May, it was just like, and even in the story of Queens, we were hearing ambulance sirens like I don't know maybe like 10-15 times more than we would normally you know I feel like that's kind of like a thing about New York obviously it's loud people think it's loud and people think oh you hear cars and oh you hear ambulances but it was like a lot of ambulance sirens to the point where somebody who's we've both lived here for well over 10 years so that kind of stuff we don't really even hear anymore but you you did notice like Oh God! This definitely seems like not not good things are happening. <laughs> happening, and we don't we don't want to leave our house. <laughs> so it affected my life um, in a lot of ways that are probably very similar to other people, and then slightly different from other people because I run my own business and my business is selling clothing. So right when it started, I was like, "Huh." I don't know if people are going to really be wanting to buy clothes. What am I going to do about that? Uh, so I have to make money. And at that time, we, even when they started talking about unemployment, it was a little shaky for people that run their own businesses and are and sole proprietors. It was like, I don't know if you can even apply or whatever. Um, and then also at that time was when people started having conversations around masks It was, there wasn't a mask mandate yet, but it was like, maybe one is coming. And it seemed like every day there was a new article by a reputable source talking about what is appropriate for a mask, here are tests that we did on them, what kind of fabrics should they be. And so every time I saw a new one, I read it and took in all this information and was trying to process it within my mind of what I know about fabrics specifically. Because a lot of people were making 100% cotton masks and making it with, like, quilting fabric or, like, fabric where you can really see the weave of the threads. And what I know about fabric like that is that things really pass through it very easy, easily. Like, the weave, if you can really see the weave in something, you know, air, light, it, it goes through it. So, I was like, this doesn't seem like this can be the answer to a mask where you're trying to keep things in and keep things out after doing a bunch of research and um I guess just thought about it I kind of landed on fabrics that felt I felt fell in line with the recommendations and that I also felt would be comfortable for somebody to have on their face I found a pattern that somebody was giving away like a pattern for free of the more like shapely mass that kind of goes up higher on your nose and then scoops and the one that I found had three sizes and because I am a fashion designer who fully knows sewing and pattern making and all of those things, I graded that pattern and changed it into even more sizes because in my regular life, in my clothing design life, uh, size accessibility is something that I'm very incredibly focused on. So that's something that I immediately saw happening with Mass was that They weren't available in small enough or big enough sizes. Most people just had one adult size. Most people maybe would have a kids and an adults. And I saw right like already the second, the second it became a thing that people needed, I saw people complaining about, oh, they don't fit me right. They're too small. They hurt my ears or, you know, my partner has a beard and they can't put a mask over it. Like just lots of conversations. So on April 3rd, i had made a mass a few masks for myself and my husband and posted on my personal facebook page being like so would any be anyone be interested if if i started making these and immediately it was like a million, a million comments and i was like okay I guess this is a thing um and at first i was actually just going through my fabric stock that i already had because i already had some of this fabric that i just had decided to use which was um basically double knits um that are blended with cotton so they do have some cotton in them but they are blended with other fibers um, that make them still be breathable and soft but also help with keeping things out they were double layered as well and so i was kind of just using the stock that i had at first and then a few days later i was like i guess i should maybe post about this to my like on my brands page and i did that and then it just completely blew up um on uh, the other thing that i wanted to ensure was that anyone who needed them could get them because um, these are obviously safety devices. They're not, you know, you could get one in a fun print, I suppose, that became a thing, you know, very quickly. But, you know, it's not the same thing as buying like a cocktail dress or a handbag. Like you need these. And I firmly believe that things that are needed should be accessible to everyone, obviously, as I mentioned in size, but also in price. So I set them up. Um, without a price and they were pay what you can slash want and even when people asked me like okay Mari but really what should they cost I would still be like I'm not going to tell you if you would like to do research into what other people are charging you can do that but I don't want to give you even a suggestion because then you might feel like oh now you're obligated to pay that and if you can't I really don't want you to over the scheme of the whole time I had people Obviously, I had some people who got them for free. Then I had people who were paying as little as 50 cents a mask. And then I had people who were paying me as much as $25 a mask. And the really wonderful thing about that, that I think really helped me um, during this that, that time frame when like things seemed really scary and negative, was I could watch strangers take care of each other without them even really knowing they were doing it. Like The people who were paying more probably guessed that maybe they were helping somebody but I could physically take you know 10 orders in a row and do the math to figure out like okay these people paid this much for this many and this person made this much for this many and if I average it all out I'm still getting paid a fair price but the person who needed to pay 50 cents was able to do that and the person who can pay more paid more and then I would kind of like do that math and show it to people to be like I want y'all to see that this is what you're doing. And so from April to, I would say June, July, I was making so many masks a day. I think the most I made in a day was like a hundred. And that, I mean, I shouldn't have done that. That was some, (laughs) that was too much. Um, On average though, I was probably making about 50 a day. And, you know, I started offering prints because people wanted fun things, which also was kind of a mind warp to me and like, I guess we care about prints on masks now I don't know it was just like I I was you know my thoughts were evolving as I was making all these and um I'm still technically making them but um I don't I'm not really like promoting them as much because people don't need them as much and I've made last time I counted I had made around 5,000 but I also I stopped counting a little while ago so I've probably made I've definitely made over that Um, And about a thousand of them were donated to people. So I have sent them all around the country, all around the world. And then when orders started to slow down at the end of the summer, I was like, okay, now what am I gonna do? (laughs) And do people want clothes? I don't know. So I started like asking directly to the folks that follow my company on social media and like using the little poll features literally just ended up making exactly what people asked for which was like comfy cozy stuff for fall and I made a capsule collection where I like let everyone that I was polling basically make the design decisions on what they wanted what kind of colors they wanted what kind of prints they wanted what kind of styles they wanted and then when I released it it did about three times better on the launch day than any collection I've ever had before and and I've had my business for seven years and then I've just been carrying on with with that system um I my models all shoot themselves virtually because yes even now I still don't think that clothes are important enough to put anybody's life maybe even a little bit in jeopardy by gathering folks for a photo shoot so I send things to my models they take their own pictures I compensate them extra for doing that additional work for me and then they send me back the photos and I I edit them and do the rest of the work with them. Technology plays the role of, in my version of the pandemic incredibly so like you know um, everything I sell is through the internet even pre-pandemic that's the case I don't have any in-person brick and mortar stores it's all online. I would say that it kind of pivoted a little bit from that because with the masks i actually never put them on my actual website uh because i wanted people to truly pay whatever they wanted i didn't even want to offer a sliding scale so i only had it on social media i had it on facebook instagram and then a few people you know who aren't so social media savvy would email me about them um and i had like photos of prints and they were all numbered and it's it's like a whole thing uh and i have you know endless story like informational stories so people can tap through and just learn all the questions that I know they're going to ask me. (laughs) And then on top of that, you know, I'm so glad that this happened in the age of video calling and zoom and Google meet and all these things. um, Because, you know, my friends and I from college started doing like weekly zoom chats that have now turned into like monthly Zoom chats since <laughs> this has been going on for so long. Um, and me and my sisters and my mom and my nieces and nephews get on the uh, video chat quite often all together and like read bedtime stories because we can't see each other as much as we would like or at all for a very long time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's how we kept in touch with my husband's family. It's how we celebrated both my birthday and my husband's birthday. Basically, everything that we're doing, aside from sitting on the couch together, um, (laughs) we're using technology to do. So it would be a very, very, very different situation if we didn't have it. I'm also teaching classes virtually, so both for schools and also privately for myself, um, so I wouldn't be able to do that. (laughs) The celebration of my birthday, which is, uh, as I mentioned, May 22nd. Um, so that was still, like, somewhat early on in the pandemic. And basically what we did was scheduled a giant Zoom call, as many people do. But then we also used this online game website called Kahoot, K-A-H-O-O-T. And, like, I guess a lot of people use it, like, businesses used to use it for, like, business, like, networking and, like, um, when when companies make yeah, team building. I was like, what is that? When they like make all the people do things together for the purpose of, yeah, team building, yes. Um, <laughs> as a small business owner, I have no idea what that is. But so I made like a, a silly little quiz about myself and um, my friends and I all took it uh, on Zoom and it was like a thousand times more fun than I think anyone thought it was going to be. It was just like really funny. And, and I think because we had like a a central thing to be focused on. It was an easy way to get like, you know, 30 people on a Zoom all focused on one thing instead of you're just like staring at a thousand boxes and you don't know what to do. So that was really fun. And then um, my best friend is a pastry chef and my husband had her make me a cake and she like social distance delivered it. And it was the first time I had seen her in so long. And <laughs> I went downstairs and almost lost it, but it was very weird not not being able to hug her. Was like, ah, you're, you're this far away and we're outside and we're wearing masks and you made me a cake. This is so much. And then I guess I would say that the next thing that was definitely is usually a big thing for us, but we had to do it in a very weird way was when, when it got to the holidays. So as I mentioned before, my family, we were doing a lot of video calls together. My husband's family all lives in Tennessee, but my family is all in New York no one is farther than an hour and a half away from each other. So we see each other a lot. Um, And I hadn't seen my mom at all, one of my sisters at all. I saw one of my other sisters only once, and it was outside with masks on in the middle of the summer. Oh, wait, and I had actually also seen... Yes, yes, yes. Okay, hold on. That's not correct. So I saw all of them, but like one by one by one, because my husband and I, in the middle of August... Um, or the end of August, I was like, I got to take a break from making a million ass every day. And we went to an Airbnb where we like didn't interact with any other humans kind of a deal. We like rented a car. It was like a self-check-in situation for three days upstate. And so on the way there, we stopped at one of my sister's houses and we all sat outside with masks on and said hi. And then on the way back, we stopped at my mom's and sat in the driveway with masks on. And then my other sister, we, we stood in her backyard with Masson. So that was the only time I'd seen my family. And so then by the time the holidays came around, the holidays are super big in my family. My mom specifically is obsessed with Christmas and giving people presents. And, you know, it's the kind of thing where she like, her, she's doing it all year. Like she's Christmas shopping all year. It's the only thing she really spends her money on. Like, she lives in a very tiny house um and it just gets overrun on christmas so for a long time she was kind of in denial about how it was gonna go like she kept thinking like this will be done by then and we can have a normal christmas and me and specifically one of my sisters who was taking it a little bit more seriously than the other was like that's not gonna happen though like you have to start getting this into your head now that like that's not gonna happen what we did end up doing my great aunt she unfortunately passed away at the beginning of December and she lived next door to my mother and so her house was empty and big and so we there, there. was like a downstairs level that's like a big playroom and it's directly off the garage. So we left the entire giant garage door open and then all the doors open. So it was super drafty. And then my mom made like little sections of this playroom where it was like, okay, here's the Ian and Mallory section and here's the Meredith's family section and here's Stephanie's family section. And she made like uh like little easy snacks like tiny little cinnamon rolls and she had all these individual water bottles and she had a bunch of different packs of like individual baby wipes so we could each take one and she had those like on a tray in the middle of the room and we all we basically just got together to like hand each other gifts but we didn't open anything so that we weren't down there that long and we all kind of just went to our corners and we all had masks on and just like talked for a little bit and then like exchanged Christmas present piles and then got back in our cars and drove <laughs> back to our homes. <laughs> Which was like so strange, but... Um, and we have, you know, there's two nieces and a nephew who are all... At that time, were are all under the age of 10. So it was like, and, and they were just like, yeah, this is this. This is what's happening now. We all wear masks now, whatever. They don't <laughs> Kids are just like, oh, this is what we're doing? Great. Okay. But it was definitely very odd and a very different way to spend the holidays, but my mom just kept saying like, if we do this now, then next time next year, we can have a regular one. So hopefully that will still be the case. My parents are vaccinated. My sister and my husband are both halfway vaccinated. So hopefully this will continue on and we'll all be okay for December. Sometimes I see these 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 threads these tweets go on on twitter about like oh does somebody actually even know someone who died from this like or retweet or whatever and i just for the sake of that kind of a question like yes i know people that have died from this i know people who are friends of people i know who died from this so i just want to have that documented somewhere that that's true and that happened and i know them
0: Thank you for listening. Subscribe so that you don't miss an interview. I interview multiple people a week and I am releasing these episodes as fast as I can. And if the story meant something to you, share it because it will probably mean something to someone else. Every time you share the project, it helps the project grow. So thank you. Until next time, stay safe, stay well.